1: Hello and welcome to Don't Stop Us Now. I'm
2: Claire Hatton. And I'm Greta Thomas. And we're on a mission to help you achieve
1: your goals. We're all about sharing the secrets of the world's most innovative and pioneering successful women. Hear their uplifting stories and practical advice right here. Yes, right here. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then why
2: not sign up for our newsletter at hello at don'tstopusnow.co and keep listening for this week's latest episode. Hello and welcome to another of our Future Proof Me mini-episodes. Today, we've gone back to one of our earliest conversations with the amazing
1: speaker, author and fellow at Oxford University, Rachel Botsman. Rachel's schedule has changed pretty drastically since COVID broke out. Normally, she'd be flying around the world giving keynotes on the most prestigious stages, including the TED Global Stage. Now, she's getting used to giving her keynotes virtually. Indeed she is. For today, though, we really wanted to revisit the
2: very generous and fulsome advice that Rachel shared with us, explaining just how she goes about thinking and preparing for giving a great speech or presentation, and we think it applies for in-person as well as virtual presentations.
1: Even if you don't want to give a TED Talk, we all know that how we present our ideas and information really does matter. It sure does. So here's Rachel now, starting off
2: with how she's learned how much work is involved and what she thinks of when starting to prepare a great speech.
3: I think there was a realisation from watching great speakers how much work it takes. I mean, this is a real art that follows the 10,000 hours rule so this idea that you can write a speech and deliver it and it's great I think is a fallacy I think now much more like a comedian where a comedian will in every set will test five minutes of new material and see how the audience is responding and that you're fine-tuning all the time because it's not the content is how you want people to feel People say all the time. People remember stories, they remember visuals versus the content itself. But learning how you can do things that make people feel differently and learning how to show up, that it doesn't matter what happened at home. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. You could be really sick. It doesn't matter whether you got on the plane. But as soon as your foot hits the stage, you know how to enter that state. I think that's the professional part of it that is – Beyond the words and beyond the performance, it's it's showing up in that state every single time. If you're in a horrible hotel room and it's f- freezing cold and the audience are half asleep, you've still got to do that. That's
2: fascinating concept of it's not the content, it's how you make people feel. How do you actually deconstruct that or approach that?
3: When I take a brief from a client, I'm trying to hear from them what they want. And to be fair, they don't always really know what they want. And that's okay. And then I'm, I'm asked more questions about the audience. So what time of day is it? Who's before me? Who's after me? What's the theme of the conference? Why have they come in the past? You're trying to understand the state. You're trying to understand why are they there? And from that, you can go, okay, I've got room to provoke them. I've got room to be funny. I haven't, This is, you know, I've got to be really practical here for the client to be happy. And then also letting go that your client isn't the event organizer, it's the room. So on the top of a speech, I'll have fascinating or like, what is it I want them to feel? And you know, if you got there, because when you get off the stage, often the first thing people say, well, that was fascinating. And you're like, yes, I did it. So I think it's actually quite a conscious process. And I don't know if all speakers do this, like to be thinking about the feeling output as much as the learning output and I get it. I mean I get it wrong so many times I had a horrible speech the other week the room probably didn't know but I knew because I'm getting it enough thought the feeling part enough thought that's so interesting
2: you know so many women have a block about putting themselves out there on the stage
3: and public speaking you know what would you say to them? Coldplay didn't start at Wembley, right? They started in pubs. And this is what I always say to people, like, I want to go and do a TED talk. (laughs) This may not be the first best setting to do this. Like just take every opportunity, right? Just like start working that muscle because it will grow from there, I think is the first thing. I think the second thing is nerves are a really good thing. They do show that you care. It's just learning how to channel those nerves. And then finding your own style. So you, of course you watch people and you say, Oh, I like that. Or I really like just little things that people do that you you start to observe, but it's really about being authentic. And if you're up there and you're telling your own stories and you're passionate about it and you care, and it's coming from a genuine place, the audience want you to do well. They do. They want you to do well. And where it often goes wrong is just when you're not comfortable. I know when I'm watching another, someone on stage and I'm like, Oh, they're just not trying too hard or. And then I think it's also there's certain tricks that once they start working for you, don't give them up. So I always interact with the audience earlier on because it's, I'm grounding myself. It's my way of actually overcoming those first two minutes of being quite nervous. What kind of
2: structure, you know, how much detail have you memorised versus shooting the breeze based on high-level bullet points? How do you approach the actual final delivery?
3: It's a combination. So I use um, a lot of visuals. So I don't have written notes. I find the notes a distraction. So I have visuals that pace me and show me where I'm going. I have structures. So I have a structure which is opening story. This is what we're going to talk about today. And then depending on the time, it's going to be in three parts. A lot of speakers do this, so story, point, story, point. So you you go there, and then the stories take a long time to get right. So you have to be comfortable that you – Kind of telling the same story, but it's getting better and better over time. And then by the time you've got the story, so it's really working. My tendency is then, oh, bored of it. Like <laughs> you got to hold on to it, you know. So, and then, and then you know, and also like I show my flaws up there. So sometimes I say, I really didn't mean to say that, or not. I've forgotten what I'm going to say, but that came out wrong, or oh dear, like the little human touches are really important, especially when you're out there for a long time.
1: That really is such helpful and practical advice from Rachel,
2: isn't it? It sure is. You know, her question of how she wants the audience to feel after she's presented has really stayed with me. It's a really helpful lens, I think, to have when you're preparing to give any presentation.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Well, that's this mini episode done and dusted. Stay tuned next week when we have some fascinating stories to share about working conditions for women in Latin America. It'll be so interesting. In the
2: meantime, have a great week and ciao for now.